0: Redwood
1: Salmon.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Matt. And this is Zach. And today we're going to be talking about the Spanish-language horror film that's kind of possession story kind of a zombie story wreck now i first found out about this film after watching the americanized remake of it quarantine but i have to say i believe that this found footage horror film set in a castilian apartment building is a superior iteration zach what do you think about that
2: i've actually never seen quarantine
0: okay then what's the point Why are you, what, are you, what are we doing here? I've only here?
2: seen this. I saw this first when we were in college. I actually like walked in partway through. It was like a bunch of people were watching it, and I walked in. They're like all in the dark. There was like twenty people in this room. I was like, "What are we watching?" And I was like, super scared. Were you there for that?
0: I was not there for that, but approximately twenty fraternity brothers captivated on a single horror movie is impressive. Yeah. But I think that that's a you know a hallmark of this movie is it is incredibly captivating.
2: Yeah, there is a very significant ramp to it in oh, the yeah. middle. Like, it, it could oh, be yeah. pretty boring at first, like, if you don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. I could see people, like, losing interest in, like, the first 15 minutes or so, but the intrigue really, like, ramps up. Yes, right
0: there, <laughs> it is not a linear growth, it is exponential. Like, um, once it starts going off, it just shoots straight up, just through the graph up the stairs. <laughs> and then down the middle of the stairs. And then down the middle of the stairs. <laughs> Then back up the stairs again to a, to a different floor and then back down again. And then back down. But then all the way
2: back up. <laughs> but then all the way To the up. penthouse yeah. that has not been opened in 70 years. Yeah,
0: a penthouse with a secret extra thing at the top of it. Which, you, you love an attic in a movie. And I think that uh, the quarantine film circuit, and specifically Wreck, I guess I should call it the Wreck film circuit, does attics better than most horror movies. Because it it continues the kind of perpetuation of of the darkness. And it's really the first kind of horror movie that I can personally remember that uses the uh, night vision. For those of you who are following along and haven't seen this movie before, it follows just an investigative journalist or really more of a fluff journalist as she takes a ride along with a fire department who's going to visit a sick woman at this apartment complex. They're like, oh, we're going to go. No, that's not a that's your
2: german boy that's again. my
0: german boy accent um i'm i'm not gonna do a <laughs> castilian accent because i
2: can't also they're just speaking in spanish they're so just speaking in accent. spanish
0: yeah but they're like oh we have to go rescue this woman and so then they're gonna go find this woman and she's uh puking up blackened bile and there's clearly something wrong with her that's yeah. not well, just she her also
2: being bites it. this dude's neck
0: what i really like about this movie is there is a, a really progressive set of stages that all of the characters go through in like their possession and transformation process because we start with like mitch mcconnell delivering like a speech in front of a number of reporters they just freeze. and they just freeze and then it just keeps going up so we're continually ramping up in the volume of uh, violence throughout the movie and uh, this is not a hyper violent movie, but it is a pretty violent kind of zombie pseudo-zombie
2: narrative. Yeah, well, I mean we discover, spoilers, if you haven't seen the movie, we discover in the second movie that it's actually not zombies, right? That's and that's what's like really interesting about I think this franchise as a whole. There actually was a rec three, but I guess I haven't oh, seen
0: it. Rec three is so good. Is it? Okay. It's like a Romeo and Juliet, but with
2: zombies. <laughs> But they're not zombies, or are they back to zombies at at that point? Not zombies. Okay, well, so anyways, in the second one, we discover, and at the end of the first, it heavily hints that it's a possession. It's almost like a demon... Demon plague. Demon-born illness. (laughs) (laughs) Demon-born illness,
0: exactly.
2: And how is it transmitted? Uh, Through blood.
0: Yeah, through blood.
2: Or bites. Well,
0: saliva is kind of just like... Clear blood, so it bites.
2: Well, yeah, I guess it's yeah. It's bodily it's bodily fluids.
0: Bodily fluids. It's kind of got like a, a rabies mask to it, especially early on, because they're so fixated with the little girl's dog that had to go to the vet, and they're like, the dog is sick. Well, that's
2: Also they think it originated. And from.
0: they think that it originated there, but it does seem like it might have transferred in some way from the dog because the dog did bite something, which if the dog had any contact with Mr. Former Priest that's in the top attic that's been kind of metamorphosed into this almost barbarian-esque figure.
2: Wait, is that supposed to be the priest?
0: Yeah, I thought so.
2: I thought that was the Madeiros girl that went missing that's like in all those newspaper clippings.
0: Maybe it is because do we ever see the priest at all?
2: What well, we do if that's the priest.
0: Yeah, we do if that's the priest. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. It's 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 a little ambiguous as to who or what that is, but you get the sense that the priest is doing some experimentation. Which it wouldn't then surprise, you know, like how often do we accidentally cut ourselves doing things where it's just like, oops, I got the demon blood. And this is so funny that we were just talking about the Frankenstein episode with the ghosts in the blood because <laughs> nobody <laughs> tried cocaine to get the demons out.
2: Well, we don't know that.
0: We don't know that. Well, <laughs> yeah, they're firefighters. How do they <laughs> Not to say that firefighters are coke addicts, but it does help. <laughs> helps,
2: helps keep them awake when they have to be.
0: No, it helps put out the fires. You just sprinkle it off. Is cocaine I- flammable don't listen to this. That's an interesting question. That's a good question, but it's, I feel like it's not
2: like its effects are it's lost not
0: flammable enough
2: because then people would smoke it, right? All the people smoke oh, crack.
0: People smoke crack, but that's crack rocks. Yeah. So this movie it, it <laughs> asks a lot of questions of us. For like, example, do you um, smoke cocaine? Do you smoke crack cocaine, or is this movie? A possession or a zombie flick and i actually think that you know this movie uh quarantine especially came out at like the height of the zombie genre and especially the zombie resurgence because i would say like what 70s 80s was really like original zombie high life with uh return of the living dead return of the living dead 2 all of the george romero's and then we had you know the steep steep decline in quality zombie movies and then all of a sudden like The the 20 odds. We had a big resurgence. And I think that partially the success of Quarantine, which did contribute to the success of Wreck, which was an extremely small budget film, is that it comes off at first like a zombie narrative.
2: It's interesting because you said, like, with these trends, I'm just like thinking my mind is like 70s, 80s being zombies. And then that went away in like the 90s. We got like more proliferation in like this kind of like otherworldly kind of thing like we got a little bit more like into possession we got kind of more like diversification with vampire Mm -hmm. films and then yeah like you said in like the 2000s zombies kind of had another heyday and went away i feel like now we're getting more vampire stuff again
0: Mm, interesting (laughs) A counterpoint actually because I was thinking that we kind of went through that tra- that uh, transitionary period. We hit possession again between like the twenty aughts and the twenty twenties. All of the Conjuring movies, yeah, and and we're kind of now seeing. I think oh, all the Paranormal Activity sequels. We're seeing the end of that with movies like Pope's Exorcist, mm-hmm. which is a fine movie, but I do think signals kind of the end or the decline
2: of interest and
0: popularity in the genre.
2: It's this phenomenon kind of been played out yeah i feel like in audiences
0: yeah and so i i'm actually thinking we're kind of moving into a slasher genre again you've got a lot of uh well first of all i think that the remakes of halloween especially recently didn't do the slasher genre any favors but with bodies 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 with the fear street trilogy um with the blackening that just came out which is another one um, Candyman having a, a resurgence like we're kind of back in slasher territory a little bit so it only really makes sense that we hit vampires or you know uh, universal so, horror again
2: I don't know if we can even count modern times as part of a trend because like I think horror is just having its heyday right now and like we're just kind of throwing it all the shit at the wall and seeing with sticks. Mm.
0: Well, but we're doing so in different spheres, right? Because we've kind of got the independent structured horror movies, that the A24s, yeah. and then we have the blockbuster horror. And I think blockbuster horror is largely going to stay within the realm of trends because they're trying to compete financially with really good storytelling from the independent horror movies. And because these, these horror movies are... Being made on extremely high budgets, but with writers that haven't really cut their teeth in the horror genre, mm-hmm. you're ending up with like blockbuster slashers like the Halloween remake that are well, not. X. Yeah. Oh, X is a great no. one.
2: Yeah. And, like those are actually blockbuster films now. And it's like, it's crazy to think that. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, 20 years ago, if you said like <laughs> X was popular, like, it would not have had the draw that it has now.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah, so you're dealing with independent horror, independent and experimental horror going up against blockbuster trending horror. And we're also seeing that those independent features have the ability to break into the same financial sphere, mm-hmm. which is awesome to see. And and that's actually one of the things with Wreck that is so interesting, because between Wreck 1 and Wreck 2, we kind of have an Insidious 1, Insidious 2 mapping, where it's an immediate follow-up Religion. to the first film. They're running into each other, and there is a really noticeable increase in quality from <laughs> Rec 1 to Rec 2. And not necessarily in the story. Because I think that when you work with such bare-bones funding for a movie like this, you really put a lot of time and effort into getting things right first. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the sequel... Uh, In Rec 2, we see a stark increase in the budget, and we see that manifested kind of through the sound, through the picture. Yeah, Um, that was only
2: two years later.
0: Also, set in the same building, like they had to do quite a bit of work. And I don't think that, uh, with this particular film, they were expecting it to be so successful.
2: Which, this is not a Universal Pictures kind of movie, Mm -hmm. or I just don't think they had any like expectations with like marketing or anything to like Mm -hmm. really get it out there and i'm not exactly sure how it did break through that kind of veil of capitalism if you will but i'm glad that it did because well and the quarantine i haven't seen it so i don't know but like is quarantine actually part of the same series or is it like a it is an Americanization. like are they actually related
0: wreck and quarantine are identically shot movies but with an american cast
2: so the people who made wreck have like signed off on that yes okay yeah.
0: they basically said go ahead and make an american version of it okay. same thing if you're familiar with old boy right no, no. okay well <sighs> we've done a hundred episodes
2: <laughs> Almost.
0: i guess i can't be mad at you for not having seen a movie we're just stuff. getting around a
2: wreck like come on <laughs> yeah
0: you know, i guess i can't be mad at you for not seeing a movie if i, I haven't
2: heard of it
0: but no, it is a it is a it is a one to one recreation of wreck, mm. which I think is really interesting. Um, oh, a, a more appropriate parallel: The Grudge. <laughs> or yeah, no, we've done that. Or The Ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I went to Old Boy, <laughs> which is a bit further out. So that you know what, it's not all your fault. No, it's not. So. When we have uh, this kind of movie that comes up, I think that they they weren't confident in its ability to appeal to an American audience. I think that if Wreck had been made now, with even with the same quality, I don't think that they would have had to translate it. Oh my god, they did it with Goodnight Mommy, too. We had oh yeah, to, we just got that one. But it's like, also, just like make a new movie. <laughs> Come on. Wreck was good. I don't think that it needed an American version. I think that it could have stood up to American scrutiny and part of the reason that I think that Wreck is so successful and that we've talked about is it does have intergenre appeal. Mm-hmm. You can sell this movie as a zombie movie, as a found footage horror film, which people loved. And also, we were kind of getting a revival of. Found footage with Cloverfield.
2: Oh yeah, this is definitely part of
0: that. Yeah, nostalgia for Blair Witch project at this time was kind of reviving. You no, know,
2: I bet that's how it became like part of like the main sphere of film at that time, at least in like the horror world. Mm-hmm. With Paranormal being as successful as it was and like Cloverfield, like you said, coming out. And I bet people were just like hungry for more found footage. So like they were, like, hey, here's a foreign film. I guess we'll try that. And people were like, Wow, this is really good. This is really good. Yeah.
0: And oh my god. God, the athleticism of those actors.
2: And the cameraman. And the cameraman. Well, cameraman?
0: The one, yeah, there is one. In both in both the American version and the original version, there's only one cameraman. And that dude has to run up
2: flights of stairs. With, like, a sizable camera. With a, yeah. With this a, isn't like a camcorder.
0: Yeah, it's not a camcorder. <laughs> it is like a news van camera. It's Bill Murray in goddamn... What is the movie where he repeats the day on Groundhog Day every
2: year? Groundhog Day.
0: Groundhog Day. So it's <laughs> Groundhog like Day. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Hog. Day. <laughs> it's, it's Bill Murray, investigative journalist cameraman running
2: up flights of you know, stairs. You know what I really like about the whole cameraman thing is that mm-hmm. we do not see him at all. Like there isn't even like a like in other found footage movies you'll get like where someone's like, I have to clean the lens and you like that you see their face as are mm-hmm. like cleaning the lens. You don't see him until he's dead. He yeah. dies in the end and like even then you don't even really see his face. You just kinda like see the shape of his body. Mm-hmm. A consummate professional. <laughs> he avoided <laughs> the mirrors, which I also think I think
0: in the American version, I don't know if it's the same for Rick in quarantine he is their cinematographer like he is listed in the credits as the cinematographer because he was actually so carrying I the, the camera, camera. I,
2: I would be surprised if rec was any other yeah. way because how do you work around that <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I mean, that camera, first of all, it has to be heavy, too. Also, it has to be portable, so you know that that was expensive. And can you just imagine, your director comes up to you. I keep reaching out to touch you because you're real.
2: I like it. You're interacting
0: We're recording in person, I think, for the first time. Yeah. So I keep (laughs) reaching out. But your director is just like, all right, you're going to run up six flights of stairs in this broke-down zombie <laughs> apartment, and just imagine if I hit uh, the single lip yeah. of a step, I'm going down, and this whole film's going
2: down. <laughs> break the camera. We don't have so the budget have.
0: second camera. <laughs> Like, that's horrifying.
2: I bet they had a backup camera, but that's it.
0: Just like one. But the the sheer athleticism that is demonstrated in this, because not only do they run up those stairs once, they run up them several times. And down and up. And up and down. And they do a really good job of keeping the film rolling. Obviously, this was shot over several days, but there are significant stretches of, of film where you can tell that they're not cutting. And if they are cutting, it is seamless because once the action starts, really the the film doesn't stop.
2: I think they do a good job also of like writing in excuses for there to be cuts between Mm -hmm. scenes. The uh, police officer is like, you got to turn that camera off. And that happens a few times. Whereas like in something like Paranormal Activity is, okay, screen goes black with not really any excuse as to why. Okay, well now we're just here at a different time. and. In this kind of situation where the action is nonstop, like you said, it's, like, kind of important that we have this continuum going. Mm -hmm. Whenever I think of Wreck is that long hallway in the old lady's apartment, that's just the image in my mind of this is Wreck. That's Mm -hmm. where my mind goes. They go down it a few times. They always kind of, like, pause in the doorway right before it. Every time they go down it, it's some...
0: (laughs) Something crazy happens. Some
2: possessed person.
0: Yeah, I mean, that lady is. She is jumping. She's yeah. well,
2: in and then the club. kid. And then the kid, too. Yeah, they kill a kid. Well, they possess a kid. And presumably the kid is dead. dead. So, like, also, like, they're possessed or infected or infected to be possessed? Postfected. Postfected. Well,
0: it's kind of like in the Pope's Exorcist,
2: where heal. it has the
0: ability <laughs> to kind of possess multiple things. But, old lady does get shotgun blasted and still well, she is, comes back and is coming back and is walking around it's persistent at the very least yeah.
2: i wonder if like there is like if you break this possession spell i wonder if they're like okay after they're just like dead mm. or is it like with zombie zombieism like you die and then you're reanimated right yeah and that's not the case here you become infected and that's not the case with all zombies let, let it be clear yeah warm bodies yeah well that's not the first
0: example I would have gone to, but yes. <laughs> the quintessential zombie movie. <laughs> Warm bodies. It's a really good movie. Starring Nicholas Holt. Yeah. And lost. in his first ever feature film. Really? I don't know. Um, Who cares? I, I doubt it. He was in the menu, that's fine. And <laughs> he's gonna be remembered for, for War Bodies. And he was in Ralph
2: Fall. Ron Fall.
0: So uh yeah, this is a good it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fine movie and they were able to do so much with so little in the acting department as well you you really get the sense that the people acting are kind of getting surprised along with the audience that is watching because damn that little girl is scary and also she, she has to undergo like a, a big job a huge transformation throughout the film because she goes from this very timid little girl that's worried about her dog to like full on feral nightmare demon
2: And she's really, I think, the only person who looks possessed rather than infected.
0: Yes. She represents, uh, too, a big pivot point in the film. Because I think that when you are dealing with these kinds of possession films, one of the most significant moments in all of these, for this one, it's kind of the turning point of Act 2, is when she gets possessed is the point at which you, the audience, lose hope. And that's a huge thing in demon possession movies is where is the loss of hope yeah it happens in all of them and that with that little girl turning you're like okay it's this is over and also i think that that's the point in the film in which they're no longer trying to escape but they're trying to barricade themselves in somewhere yeah it's the titanic scenario right you are expecting the women and children to be rescued first yeah. and the fact that the little girl is there for so long and even knowing that she is in there the police outside and the quarantining cdc of spain members are just like yeah we know there's a kid in there sorry we're not gonna do anything that's like a huge red flag because there's no there's no brave firefighter who are all brave and don't do cocaine running back into the burning building to save the kid they're just like wow the kid's screwed too
2: right also, like, they drop a lot of hints that you know, oh, the kid's not feeling well. As an audience, oh, no, not the kid. Like, they're not going to do that to the kid. They do it to the kid. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's the kid's dog that right. they they make you suspect from the beginning.
2: So the kid was for him to be sick, and, like, the mother is saying, oh, my husband went out to go get her medicine. So I wonder if the husband being outside the building and free from this, are you supposed to wonder, well, he might be infected and, like, spreading mm-hmm. it in the outside world? Yeah.
0: I definitely think that that's the assumption that is being made. We're supposed to have, have that kind of placed on us. But it also helps to reaffirm there is something going on with the kid specifically. Yeah. But the kid doesn't show any signs of change through like a bite. We never see the kid get bitten no. by anyone. The kid kind of turns spontaneously. So there is is a question as well. Of the kid taking longer uh, to experience the change than anyone else. And independent of the inciting incident for everyone else. Which then begs the question, is the demon capable of simply just possessing things naturally? Mm -hmm. But it takes time to do so? Well, I had to start
2: somewhere. It's not like it just... Like, yeah. It's not like it possessed something that bit the dog. Well, it has to have possessed the something then. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: you know, we pull back to like the, uh, what that priest was doing in the attic because it was clearly experimenting.
2: Right. Well, and that's like the, the kind of questions that you're left with at the end of this is okay, so there's this possession thing that's happening. Like, there's this creepy thing that definitely used to be human up there. Well, cool. so what does this have to do with factions and all this? And it's like, it leaves that question in your mind where, like I said earlier, it brings up possession as a concept
1: mm-hmm. within
2: this world and like definitely a factor yeah, in the situation here. But it also leaves you with the question of what is the tie between these two phenomenon? Yeah. yeah. Two phenomenon. Two phenomena. Phenomena.
0: Phenomena. Bum, bada, bum.
2: Phenomena. I, gonna say? I
0: don't know. I messed you up. Yeah, no, it's fine.
2: Something, um,
0: <laughs> would it help if I reached out and touched you?
2: <laughs> no, you were talking about cinematography earlier. Mm-hmm. A shot that I love is, and it's like a little cheesy, but when they come out of one of your apartments, I forget at what point, this is when shit's going down, and they look down, down the stairwell. I, knew I was gonna say yeah, the same thing, and all the zombies are like, like looking over the stair railing, mm-hmm. and like they Brady their way up. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of.
0: <laughs> oh, I, for those of you who are just listening and can't see, I did lean over in my chair and look up at the ceiling and wave. Yeah. So you're in the moment. I'm in the moment. I'm living in the moment. I have a real person. Normally, I'm just sitting at my desk, tears streaming down my face the whole time that we're talking because I'm just waiting for Zach to call me another mean
2: name. Uh, I thought it was because you were laughing.
0: That too. It's both.
2: Yeah, laughing with sadness.
0: So yeah. For framed looking down at us, we're we're looking down, we see all of these, and we get to see, like, the whole
2: spire. Well, yeah, and it's not just, like, one floor and they're all, like, hanging on one floor. It's, like, you get to see, like, all three floors yeah. of zombie-infected people. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, oh What makes this really scary, in my opinion, is that the people, like, react pretty realistically. Mm-hmm. But really, the only thing that people do in this movie... That I probably wouldn't do myself is they turn their back towards a, a supposed infected person.
0: Yeah, he's behind the he's behind a door that yeah. seems like it's bolted and glassed in, and of course that gets broken through. And you're waiting for it. Yeah. And I I think that, you know, that's kind of fair. It's one of the movies like very only jump scares. The rest of it is pretty
2: aggressive. You're talking about when the racist guy gets like got, right? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh and he like bursts through the glass door. The little glass. It's
2: gla- It's like a It's like a little window. It's got like bars. I think it's a
0: yeah. door. But there's glass over it. Yeah, he like breaks through it and then he like gets him and you're like don't do that. Every once in a while in horror movies like this there's The shot. That's the stinger that they put at the end of the commercial. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, like, that, for me, was very much a, this is the stinger at the end of the commercial. And they, like,
2: cut it short on the end of the
0: commercial. They show the break, and then it's fade to black. Fade to not black.
2: Title card. Also, like I said earlier, I don't know if this got commercials. (laughs) That's fair.
0: (laughs) They didn't have a lot of But it was it had to have something. Cause I mean it, it made the impact that it did. Are you gonna look it up? Maybe. This is cheating. not cheating. I, this is cheating. You're cheating me. I just want everyone on the podcast to know that I've never looked up a fact during <laughs> recording. <laughs> Shut up. I <laughs> This came I, out in two thousand seven. I have integrity.
2: <laughs> so box office did thirty two point five million. million. Two this is really great. Two million. Two million was oh shit, that was a pretty big budget actually.
0: Uh,
2: it, yeah. I mean, they had to but shut not down a, a b- lot. They had to shut down a building, so like they did have to shut down a building. That like was a probably billion. a
0: significant portion of the
2: budget. I wonder how much of that actually like went towards the sequel as well.
0: Yeah, and also the actors.
2: Yeah, the actors because there
0: were things. so many actors in this film, and all of them played a pretty important. Core part of the film that can't be understated. Like they're important to the movie. Yeah, for sure. It's a. It is an ensemble piece for sure. Obviously, it's led by whoever the lead actress is, but it is an ensemble. Like they're working together.
2: Honestly, I don't think she's that great. I think everyone else is like pretty good. All right, that's fair.
0: Uh, (laughs) The question is, do you believe her as a
2: reporter? I don't know. There are certain times where it's like she's behaving. Mm-hmm. I can relate. Yeah, and then there are times like when when she just she gets like really mad at one specific person. She's like, "No, we gotta get out of here!" And, like it's not even like a panic thing. Mm-hmm. It's just anger. A weird read. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very strange, and it, it's just like some of the over emotional. Delivery, in my opinion, like, is just, it's overdone. Mm-hmm. But in other moments, like, when she's just, like, fooling around at the fire department, just acting like a real person. It is
0: really authentic. And especially yeah. for, you know, this is assumingly, like, 24-7 news, because they're doing news broadcasting, and she's having to spend time at the fire station at, like, 1 a.m.
2: Yeah, watching Marvelous Mrs. Mazel.
0: That's a- Amazon Prime. That came out in, like, 2021, dude.
2: That was a Bob's Burgers reference. They go and visit the fire station. And the oh. firemen are watching Marvelous Fist
0: Mesa. Jeez. Oh, jeez. What else are they doing?
2: <laughs> Cooking chili? Okay.
0: Maybe. I no, don't you know. We love our boys in red or something. Are they in red? I don't know. I feel. <laughs> I want to put a disclaimer now the audience. I don't know
2: a single firefighter. I
0: don't have anything against firefighters. <laughs> this has just been a situation of consequence.
2: Unless you're like bad at it.
0: And on that subject, I think that it's funny that in this movie, the firefighters don't really help.
2: Um, The one does. Tries to. His name. <laughs> I,
0: don't know,
2: I feel like he actually helps. He helps <laughs> to de-escalate the situation to some extent.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And then the, the one just plummets down the middle of the stairs. That's true, yeah, because
0: it is... For seemingly no reason. He does try to de-escalate a possessing. Thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Matt. Are we actually doing this? And this is Zach. And remember, if you're feeling sick, quarantine. And record right. it. <laughs> record
2: it. Hit that record button. And subscribe i think that was a good
1: episode check out all the podcasts brought to you by redwood sound labs finally a podcast that's dedicated to talking about your favorite sports movies whether you want to hear a breakdown of the plot arguments about who's the mvp of the film or crit and lit about it you'll find it all on fields of glory Listen to the show that will help you live a better life with your beloved pets. It handles topics like proper food, nutrition, positive reinforcement training, and more. Certified dog behavior consultant Charlotte Peltz welcomes your pet concerns and questions in the podcast Living With Your Dog. Zach and Matt are two horror movie enthusiasts of varying experience discussing horror movies through the scope of content, context, and comedy. They'll hit on the good ones and the classics, but they're really excited for the bad ones. Listen to Watch No Evil. Charles is a Purple Heart recipient and cinematographer. Aaron is a professor and critical cultural scholar. Together they explore the narrative, effective, and production politics of war cinema on the Real War Project. That's R-E-E-L War Project.